Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. All right, happy Father's Day. We're going to get started with the Word of God. So pull out your Bible, your phone, whatever. We're going to get started. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would breathe through this time this morning. Lord, we want more than anything. We can be distracted with all sorts of things on holiday weekends or just things going on in our life. But Lord, what we want more than anything is for you to mark us today. Lord, for you to mark this moment today. Lord, for us to move beyond where we are and to move into the place that you've called us to be. Lord, we want to uh, be changed from the inside out today. Lord, that there would be something that would happen uh, that could only be accomplished through your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. My dad is better than your dad. How many of you guys ever used that when you were a kid? Anybody at all ever used that? This is a, what's interesting is that, uh, believe it or not, this actually has something to do with what we're talking about today. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. This is Paul talking to the church of Corinth, but as people of the flesh and as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, aren't you being merely human? Here's the spiritual version of of my dad is better than your dad happening right here in in the book of 1 Corinthians. The people, the church of 1 Corinthians, of of Corinth, uh, were basically saying the same thing. They were saying it this way, though. My spiritual dad is better than your spiritual dad. And this is what he's addressing here. He's saying, guys, this is immaturity happening. Now, if you haven't been following this series, uh, Paul planted a church in this city called Corinth. And in the city of Corinth, man, it was messed up. It was a, a messed up city. It was all about materialism. It was all about lust. It was all about uh, material gain. And, and I don't have time to go and re-preach all of it. But I just want you to know that it was a very difficult circumstance that he planted this church in. And he leaves. He was there for about 18 months. And when he left, there was about 35 to 50 people in the church. And there's not, not a whole lot going on since then. In fact, they've kind of gone downhill and spiraled into what he calls uh, infancy. Okay. So basically here's what Paul does. He's like, you guys are all playing this hit. My spiritual dad is better than your spiritual dad. And he basically, Paul calls them a bunch of babies. Can you see that? He says, you guys are just a bunch of babies. I'd like to give you a good old steak, but I can't give you a steak because how many of you guys know that babies can't eat steak? They have to eat mushy, gooey, gross food uh, or milk, as he calls it. They have to eat baby food. And so if you can just hear the tone of Paul, his frustration, his love for them, he wants to see them move out of that. Now, uh, I love what Mark Batterson says. You know, how many of you guys have been following Jesus for a long time? Like, like over two decades. Anybody over two decades, all right? Many, many people in this room. Here's what Mark Batterson says. I'll see if I can get the quote right. He says, many people don't have 25 years of experience being a Christian. What they have is one year experience repeated 25 times. It doesn't matter how long we've been following Jesus if we're not progressing in our following. If we're not growing up, and here these people in this church had been following Jesus for five years at least, 
And what he's saying is you don't have five years experience following Jesus. You have one year repeated five times. Now, I don't care if you've been in this church uh, for all 10 years of our existence. If you have not moved forward in your walk with Jesus, if you're still at the same place that you were last year or three years ago or five years ago, you don't have any more experience following Jesus. You just have repeated that same year over and over again. And Paul calls them a bunch of babies. And so Following Jesus means movement. It means we ought to be growing up. It means we ought to be moving beyond where we last were. It means we ought to, does anybody here like upgrades? Like if you go to McDonald's, uh, I, I mean, if I go to McDonald's, which is a rare thing, but if I do go to McDonald's and they, you know, say supersize me, I'm like, yes, all the way. How many of you guys are just like, man, I'm going to upgrade every time. None of you guys eat at McDonald's. Okay, got it. We've got donuts and bacon out there for crying out loud. I know you don't eat healthy, Okay. And so I, I love to upgrade, man, if you tell, and it's always upselling and I'm always, you know, falling for it. Uh, but I love to get, you know, upgrades. I love to, you know, I remember when I had one of those flip phones. How many of you guys still have a flip phone? Anybody have a flip phone? All right, one person. Okay. Uh, I remember I went from the flip phone and I upgraded to the Blackberry. Anybody remember the Blackberry? And I, man, that was a full keyboard right at your thumbs, you know? And then it went from the Blackberry to the iPhone and then the iPhone to the the iPhone 5 and the iPhone to the iPhone 17, and it just keeps going, and, and, and we love to upgrade. We love to, to keep moving beyond, and, and uh, I went from a Toyota Corolla to a Ford Expedition. I remember that day. Yeah, praise Jesus. That was awesome. This was awesome for me because I remember trying to drive around in the snow in this Toyota Corolla front wheel drive, but it still wasn't getting around. And then I went to this Ford Expedition. And all of a sudden, I could drive over other cars. It was awesome. And, uh, but it was, it was an upgrade. And, and following Jesus, we ought to see upgrades in our walk. That doesn't mean that, 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 we, uh, that God's holding anything back. It just means that as you walk along with Jesus, that things ought, the scenery ought to change a bit. And if the scenery never changes, then maybe we're not actually actively following Jesus. Uh, I remember when I was work, I was just a teenager. I actually got a job working for a stucco company and and uh, man, I, I'd been there for six months. I had some carpentry experience, and so they needed some of that. And all of a sudden, I got, uh, they, they put foam, like insulation stuff on before they put all the stucco on. And so I got upgraded and promoted to become the supervisor of the foam crew. Now, I was really excited about this promotion. The problem is it came with no pay increase, and there were only two of us on the crew. And so I got promoted but it still felt good to be promoted. Uh, I remember when my, my son went from like uh, elementary school up to middle school. It was a whole change because now you've got your own locker. You've got to move around from class to class. You've got all these different changes. And I remember being in sixth grade, looking at an eighth grader. How many of you guys remember being in, in a, a certain grade and then looking at those, those upperclassmen and thinking, I'm never going to be that. Like, it seems so far away. And then one day you are. Here's the thing about moving forward. There are some areas in life that we just naturally move forward because of our age or because of life moves us along. And I think sometimes we treat walking with Jesus that way, that we're just going to be naturally moving forward. But it doesn't always happen that way. We don't always just naturally move forward by time when we follow Jesus. There's a part that we have to play. And if you find yourself in the same scenery that you were last year at this time, I would suggest you're not following 
Jesus. I doesn't mean you're not following after Jesus or that you're not saved. I'm saying you're not actually actively moving with Jesus. Because here's what I know about Jesus. He's always moving. Do you ever notice that in scripture? He was always moving. If he called the disciples, he went to them, he said, follow me. And then what did he do? He turned around and he started walking. If they would have just stood where they were, they would not have followed Jesus. They would not have went on this adventure. And the same is true for us. We have to walk with Jesus. So uh, growing in maturity is walking into that next level of God's plan for our life. But how many of us end up getting stuck where we're at? How many of you guys would just be honest, just for a second? We're not going to list all of the possibilities. But you found yourself in the past. Man, I've seen, I've, I've been around this block before. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever been lost and, and your wife reminded you? Uh, we've seen that building before. We can be that way in our walk with God. Oh, I've, I've seen that before. Oh, I've been stuck in that offense before. Oh, man, I, I can't move beyond that level of generosity. Or I, I still am, am thinking that way when I, I look at other people. Or I, my, my relationship, my marriage is still in the same spot. See, God wants us to move beyond those things. And so I want to give us a, free, a few ideas in, in Scripture here that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about maybe some of the reasons why we, we aren't moving forward and maybe some answers about what, when we look at it from this new perspective, maybe we can see some areas that we can move forward in. Does that interest anybody today? If we could walk out of here and we could see some different areas of our life that we could actually move forward in, we could upgrade in, we could walk with God. So here's some of the reasons why we may be held back from growing up. The first one is this. You may be mature in one area and immature in others. You see, I think we all make this mistake and we measure our maturity by our strongest points and that's our level of maturity and we don't take into account how immature we are in other areas of our life or we measure our immaturity by our weakest moments and we say, look how immature I am by, or even switch them, you know? And, and so I think it's not that simple though. Our, our maturity isn't based on our strongest points or our immaturity isn't based on our weakest points. There's much more complexity happening. Okay, so let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Paul says this, he says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Except for servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. What's he saying? He's like, I came in here five and a half years ago. I planted this church. Planting something is difficult work. Paul did this difficult work of planting a church. Paul left. He was there for about 18 months. He went over to the city of Ephesus, which wasn't in much better shape than the city of Corinth. But he had been over in Ephesus, and along after him came this guy named Apollos. Now, Apollos was a much better, probably a much better preacher than Paul was, even though Paul was the spiritual father, that he was a much better preacher. And so some people were still hanging on to Paul's ways and saying, you know what? I liked it when Paul was here. Have you guys have ever been in a church and maybe it changed and you're like, I like it the way it used to be. Some people were saying, I like it the way it used to be. And there were other people who are saying, you know what, I like this new guy because this new guy is more, you know, on fire. He's got a better message. And, and, and so he's saying, what? I planted Paul's water, but here's the deal. God is going to make things grow. How many of you guys have ever had somebody plant something in your life? And it was such a key thing. And somebody came along and watered it. You know what? It doesn't really matter who planted or who watered. What matters is that God makes things grow. And that's why we can go back and we can say like we did week one, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Is it all about Jesus? It's God that makes things grow. He who plants and he who waters are one. 
and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. See, there are times in our life when we look at growing up in God, and you may look at your life and you say, you know what, I'm not really growing. Or I am growing more than I think I am. And you look at your life and then you wonder one day, how many of you guys have ever gone along? Let me just put it this way. You've gone along. Things are going great in your life. You seem to be really growing in God. And then all of a sudden a problem comes and you're surprised at the way you reacted to the problem. Like you're like, I thought I was more mature than that. And all of a sudden this moment comes out where you're surprised that you got offended at that. Or you're surprised that you blew up over that. You're surprised. It's because you mismanaged your idea of maturity. I've got a garden. I've got a fairly, link, uh, fairly sizable garden. It's about uh, 50 by 80 feet, okay? It's a, it's a decent sized garden. And so we've been uh, gardening for the last two years, and we've discovered this, the way that the rain runs down the hillside, that we've got what we call a good side of the garden and a bad side of the garden. And our good side, man, I've got like, I've got 69 tomato plants and stuff growing right now, and things are just popping over there. The bad side of the garden, everything's getting washed out. The, the corn is, is getting, is half there. The, the green beans all got washed out, except for just like a half a row. And we've noticed this pattern throughout the last couple years. We've got a good side and a bad side. And I'm just going to suggest that as you look at your life, you have, you have to look at it that way. There are parts of your life that are going really, really well. And if all you do is look at that, that's fine, but it's not a true measurement of where you're really at. Or if all you do is go and look at the bad things and you're just focused on the bad things and you negate all of the good things that God's doing in your life, then you miss where God is, is actually growing things. And so we've got to understand this, that maturity doesn't happen in every area at the same time. In your life, maturity in God isn't even going to happen in every area at the same time. So I'll give you an example. Um, when I was, uh, we had just, Becca and I just got married, and she had been to college for math stuff, calculus, all sorts of stuff, and I had actually taken one of those profile, those personality profile tests. Have you guys ever taken one of those? Anyway, the results for me was telling me that you are, uh, that, that you are not very good at details, Sean. <laughs> you are not. You are disorganized. You are not. It, it's better if you find people around you that get organized because you're not an organized person. That's what the test told me. And so I believed that. And I thought, well, okay, I'm good at this over here, but I'm not good at this over here. And so when we got married, I thought, hey, Becca is really good at math, really good at numbers. And so it would make sense if she did all of our, you know, finances and all that type of stuff. And so the first year or two of our marriage, man, we would just be going at it over, man, how come that bill didn't get paid? Or how come that didn't happen? Or, you know, where's the, where did the money go? And we were just going at it. Have you guys, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. Raise your hand in your heart. <laughs> Have you guys have ever gone through a process like that? Maybe, maybe. And so, uh, so we were going through that, and finally, I just got, up, I just got mad one day, and uh, we're just young married. I'm like, that's it. I'm, I'm, and part of my personality is, don't tell me I can't do anything. If I decide to do something, I will do it. And so I said, forget it. I'm going to take over the finances. And I, I looked at it, and I'm like, where, where do I start? Uh, and as I started to get into it, we found, we discovered something. We discovered that I was actually really good at the deal. I was keeping track of pennies, every penny. 
I was keeping, and I was getting into it. And I was, we found out that that test was wrong. And, and I'd been, I'd been, we, I, I thought that I was one way, but it turns out because I, I wasn't looking at the whole picture and I believed a lie. Listen, here's what Satan would love for you to do. He would love for you to believe lies about yourself. He would love for you to see things about yourself in a way that, that halts your progress with God. To deceive you. And he had deceived me into believing that I wasn't good at that. But now, now all of a sudden, I, I became good at finances. Now, here's the question. I, I, I would say it this way. That I was mature in my handle, ability to handle our finances. Was I mature in our marriage? No. <laughs> Just because I had matured in one area of our marriage did not mean I had maturity in my marriage. And I, I want you to see this because I think some of us are hung up because either we see something really good that we're doing and we forget about these other areas that God really wants to deal with our heart about, or we see how really bad we are and we forget about all the things that God is doing in our life. The maturity isn't just one. So the question is, was I mature? Yes. Was I immature? Yes. Hopefully, as I was going along, I was tilting the scales more towards maturity. And so I think it's important that we recognize those things. Because God, a lot of times, we expect God is working on all of us at the same time, and God isn't. See, he talks about this. He talks about planting and watering. Now, let's go back to the garden illustration, because that's exactly what Paul used. So, planting is hard work. Have you guys ever tried to dig up hard ground? Man, planting is hard work. We, we got a tiller to try to help us with that. But planting is underneath. It's unseen. Watering is visible. It's what's seen. Do you realize that God isn't working all the time on both what's unseen and what's visible in our life? Sometimes God wants to work on the visible things in our life the things that everybody sees, maybe our attitudes or our behaviors or our actions. And sometimes God wants to work on the unseen of our heart where no one else can see. And here's what I believe most of us do. We focus our maturity or immaturity on what's visible, on what's seen. And most of us are only focused on what is visible because that's what produces the most accolades. It produces the most, uh, the best feelings in our life. You know, when God is doing something visibly and God may not want to do that at this time, he may want to uh, do some deep work in you. God isn't work Just because God is working on the visible doesn't mean he's working on the unseen. Are you guys catching this? Just because God is doing something on the unseen doesn't mean you're going to have fruit in the visible just yet. See, my, my aunt has been teaching us how to garden and She's been gardening for 30 years, and she said that she never waters her plants, ever. And so we said, well, if it works for her, then we're going to do that. I said, well, well, what do you do? She said, we just, we plant, and, and we just trust God, and we pray. And I'm thinking, that's, that's good enough for me. And so we plant, so we don't water our plants. So all this heat that we've been having, we don't water our plants. We just trust God. And I, and I asked her, I said, why is that? Why do some people water all the time and, some pe and, and you can get by with not watering? And she says, here's what happens. Uh, that if you don't water all the time, the, what will happen is the plants, the roots will go down deep, really deep, looking for water. And if you water all the time, then the roots of the plants stay more towards the surface of the soil because that's where they're getting their water from. 
And so you get much healthier plants, according to her, if you allow the dry seasons to come and you don't constantly water all the time because the roots grow deep. Now, the same is true in our spiritual life. There are times when we get, we, we get planted, but then there are times when we get watered. And so many of us are in constant need of being watered by other people, by encouragement, by, by affirmation, by uh, whatever it is, by, by interactions. All those things are good. But what happens is we leave our feelers up on the top, on the surface, and we never grow down deep, and we begin to be, get, to be dependent upon the watering of other people or the circumstances of life. Instead of allowing our, our roots to grow down deep, and, and we're, we're, we don't need that all the time. You know what it looks like to have maturity? It's when you don't need to have external praise all the time. It's when you don't need to constantly be patted on the back all the time. It's when you don't need to have that, that, that person come into your life or that thing or that circumstance. It's when you can go through a dry season because your roots have gone deep. You know, if we look at our relationships, I've heard it put this way, that planting doesn't happen all the time in our life. You know, planting is, is very, there's actually only two seasons where you would actually plant. Like we plant in the spring and then we're, we're getting ready to plant for a fall harvest. And so there's only a couple times a year where you plant. But rain is going to happen quite a bit. Watering is going to happen. So one way you could look at it is this. In your marriage, if you look at it this way, how many of you guys are like me? I'm telling you, I'm just now, I'm still learning this, okay? Uh, I wake up uh, in the morning and, and I'm looking to fix everything. I'm looking to fix my kids. I'm looking to fix problems here at the church. I'm looking to fix my wife. I'm looking to fix everything, right? And, and that's what planting is like. It's like plowing up. It's those difficult things. Watering is, is that encouragement. It's that, that, that you're doing a great job or I'm going to deposit a, a powerful thing in you. I'm going to encourage you with this word. Do you realize that watering needs to happen much more often than planting does? You want to have a better marriage? Stop trying to plant so much and water everywhere you go. It ought to be water, 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 plant. Water, 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 plant. It ought to be that way with our kids. Water, 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 water. And you look for those opportunities to plant something in their heart. But too many times we're trying to plant all the time, trying to fix every time, trying to put something new every time when God maybe just wants us to water, water, water. Now, that's really good. You could go home right now and you'd be fine. But there's still more. It's going to be good. Here's the thing. I, I don't know how to... I, I don't know if I should say it or not. All right. The visible makes us feel better. The unseen we don't really like that much because we don't get credit for. We don't get credit for the work God does that no one sees. And this is where we've really got to challenge, are we still on milk or are we going for meat here? Are we going to allow God to deal with our heart that we may never have credit for our spiritual growth or look at how great we are and simply just have that work of God underneath the surface that no one ever sees? Listen, if all you ever do is get water, water, water up at the surface, when the dry season comes of life, because there will be dry seasons, 
When you're not getting encouragement from your spouse like you think you should. When you're not getting encouragement from friends like you think you should. When the church doesn't do exactly what you think it should and you go through that dry season of life, here's what will happen to the plants. Either the roots will stay at the top and if there's no water, here's what happens. They'll die. You have two choices in a dry season. Dig deep or die. It's really what you got a a choice. And if we've put the culture of our heart that we've got, we've, we've got to let, we're, everything's on the surface. Everything's up here. Instead of saying, God, I'm okay. If the next 10 years, all you do is a work under the surface that I don't get credit for, that no one sees, because I believe that one day there's going to be fruit. But so many of us are tending to the, to the visible and not just to the underneath. All right, how do we do that? How do we do that? How, how can we take these, these things and shift them in our heart? So last week we talked about this. We talked about, uh, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, no one can know what somebody's thinking except for the spirit of the man. And no one can know what God is thinking except for God's spirit. So how do we do this? How do we, uh, how do we take this and we begin to change this and change our heart where we don't need all this affirmation? We don't need all of this uh, uh, external. We don't need the circumstance to always go our way. We don't need everything to be perfect in our life so that we can dig deep roots. Here's how we do that. Uh, Number one, pay attention to the conversation in your heart that you wish you could have out loud with other people, with God, with circumstances, with life. Because there's a conversation going on in in your heart with God, with other people, with life, with the circumstances, with your spouse, with your kids. Pay attention to that conversation. Again, this is an unseen area. No one will ever know that you're having this conversation. I'm telling you because I I have conversations, right? And God's been saying, Sean, pay attention to the conversations you wish you could have out loud, but you know you never will. Two, Ask God to help you grow in maturity in that conversation. Not in your out loud visible conversation or or audible conversation. Your life is never going to change until you become mature enough to change the internal conversation that no one will ever hear. Ask God to help you with that conversation. And then by faith, start to change that conversation inside your heart that no one will ever hear. That's life-changing right there, guys. That's based on the principles of God right there. But you know what that takes? Babies don't do that. Babies don't do that. People who, who can grow up into maturity can do that. Okay? So I'm just challenging us. We want to get real. We want to do that. That's what it's going to look like. Why is it important to get deep roots? Here's why it's important to get deep roots, because the storm's coming. Storms of life are coming. When was it, last night or the night before, a storm blew through. It was about 11.30 at night, and my brother, Ben, he lives a street over from me, and he texts me at 11.30. He's like, I know it's late, but it's about to get windy. And I was like, okay. And I went out and I went to my deck and I turned over all my, my tables and my, stacked up all my, my chairs and I went inside and no sooner than I got back inside, I mean, it was like 70 mile an hour wind, <sighs> come through the place. 
I'm thankful that he gave me a warning, but here's the thing about life. You don't always get the warning when the storm's coming. And if you don't have deep roots, if you've just been hanging out on the surface, just drinking milk, just allowing this conversation on the inside of your heart to go untethered, unchecked, then when the storm comes, last year we had all of our corn blow over in the storm because they had no deep roots. And we went and we finally had to pile and prop them up and stick dirt all around them because they just didn't grow deep. And that's why so many of us, we get blown over in the storm. That's why it's important to have deep roots. Am I saying to focus on our immaturity and our weakness? No, that's not what I'm saying necessarily. But I, I am saying this. It's too easy for us to simply say, this is just the way that I am. Isn't it? Isn't it too easy for us just to say, you know what? It's fine. I've got a good part of the garden over here that's growing good. And it's just the way that it is. And I'll just leave that to go however it goes. Do you know what? That's an insult to the power of God. That's an insult to the cross for us to say, that's just the way it is. That's just the way I am. That's an insult to God to say, you can't change the way that I am. God is much bigger than the way that we are. Amen. And if God planted something in you, and I believe that he has, just like the scripture said, God will make it grow. We plant, we put ourselves in to be planted. We can put ourselves in, in a place to be watered and we can dig deep roots. But here's what I want you to know. At the end of the day, we got to trust God to make it grow. It's not about just the way that I am. God's bigger than just the way that I am. Amen. All right. Second thing uh, that Paul talks about here is in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 and 11. It says, according to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Here's another reason why we may not be growing. It may be because we're, we're building on the wrong foundation. We've been talking about this the last couple weeks. I'm not going to spend long here on this one, but uh, it's still all got to be about Jesus. If, if, if it's about the way I feel, if it's about my circumstance, if it's about, uh, you know, this or that or the other. No, it's, it's all got to be built on the foundation of Jesus See, God calls us to this counterintuitive life. God calls us to this counterintuitive life where it's, it's not natural for us to give things away. We're not built that way. We're not wired to just give things away. We're not wired to forgive our enemies. We're not wired to, to, to be humble. We're not wired for those things. And that's why God designed this life so that it would be impossible to live without him. He designed this Christian life to follow him that we cannot do it on our own. It has to be built on Jesus. And every time we try to walk this life and we try to serve on our own or we try to forgive on our own or we try to live on our own, guess what? We're going to fail. It may be, it may be short term that we have success, but without Jesus, if Jesus isn't the heart behind it, then eventually we're going to fail. Jesus has to be the foundation and he designed it that way. Listen, let me, let me put it this way. I had this weird thought. Um, well, this, this thought isn't weird, but... Uh, the, those of us who have, have been in need of forgiveness, have you guys have ever found yourself where you really need forgiveness? There's been times in my life I'm like, I am so thankful that God is a God of grace because I really blew it that time. Amen. The Bible says those who, who have been forgiven much love much, right? So if I've received so much grace from God, it's that much easier for me to give grace to other people. Have you ever thought about this? I had this thought this week. 
What if God is allowing situations into my life where I may need to serve in a capacity that I feel like maybe I am beyond or whether, where I need to give of more than what I think is, is, is you know, right or where I need to forgive someone in a situation that I, I felt was hard? What if God is allowing those situations into my life, not for now, but as training for something bigger? Some of us are all in like, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to me, or this is the hardest thing God's ever asked me to do. What if God is allowing this one, and it's not about this one at all. It's about the next one. And how many times do we just keep taking the test over and over again? And God wants to take us away from the milk and give us some meat and give us a steak, but we're, we're just still where we're at. We're just still hanging out where we're at. And, and I, I thought, man, what if God is, is having me serve here or give this or, or, or walk through this difficult time? I believe God knows what he's doing. Have you guys have ever had your kids, have you ever allowed your kids to, to walk through something difficult and it wasn't because you hated them, it's because you loved them, okay? I'm not saying God doesn't put sickness on us or anything like that. That's not the God we serve. But I'm saying sometimes I allow my kids to struggle with some things and work them out on their own because that's the only way they're ever going to do it. And I believe God does that. And we always have to come back to the foundation. Why am I serving? Jesus. Why am I loving? Jesus. Why am I forgiving? Jesus. Why am I giving? Jesus. Why am I walking in, by faith? Jesus. It's never about us. It's always on the foundation of Jesus. Third thing. We may be building with the wrong materials. We may find that we're not moving away from the milk into the meat because we've, we're using the wrong materials. We're using uh, superficial, temporary materials. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15, it says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So he, Paul's saying this, be careful what you build on and be careful what you build with. The first three was, was uh, solid things that would last, and the last three were things that were all going to be burnt up. So the first three we could say are eternal things, and the last three were things that weren't going to survive in eternity. How about our life? What are we building our life with? Are we building them around eternal things? Or are we building our life around things that won't last for eternity? You know, we're going through this as a church. Um, we're, you know, going through this process that Paul describes as we're planting this church. And then now this church, we're starting to build upon this church. And as we're going along, we're, we're always asking the question, you know, how are we supposed to build? Always coming back to Jesus, always trying to be careful with, with what we build. We've made mistakes, but we're trying to build it in a way that honors Jesus. And so just to let you in on a little inside information, um, our lease on this building is up at the end of this year. So our lease is up. Uh, we can renew it for another two years if we, if we choose to. Uh, but we continually run up against this capacity issue. As you can see this morning, we had to bring out chairs. And this is even Father's Day weekend, which is one of the lesser attended uh, Sundays of the year. Uh, 
But we keep running against this issue of capacity here in our, in our building. We're maxed out all the time. And so we've, been, we've known this for a while. We've been up against it for a while. Uh, we've hit that capacity. We can continue to add services, but practically uh, the timing doesn't work out where, where it's going to uh, be a long-term solution. And so we've felt this for a while. And so uh, as ministry leaders, our ministry leaders, we've prayed about this. We've sought God about this. Our apostolic elders uh, who are our outside uh, elders that... Um, that love this church and pray for us and are on the board of our church here. You know, we've all known that we've got to do something. We've known it for quite some time. And so uh, a couple months ago, I really just felt in my spirit, I just felt like we're just supposed to take a step. I, I just feel like we're supposed to take a step. And we didn't know what step it's, it's going to take, but we know in order to, to move into uh, another building or to, to do something, to, to buy some land and, and have more of a permanent home, whatever it is, it's going to take a big step. It's going to take a minimum of, of a $500,000 just seed, just faith seed to get that process started. And it's going to, I mean, everybody's going to have to, to, to pour into that and be generous and to make it happen. And so we started to feel this last, uh, just a couple months ago, really, really intensely. And we all prayed about it. In fact, we just had another meeting this past week and we all were on the same page just sensing what God was doing, that it's time to take a step. And so uh, there's been a hesitation in me though. There's been a hesitation. Why? Because we don't know what the step is. We don't know what, what the solution is. We don't we, we've exhausted every possibility that we can think of, that we know of. We've looked in buildings. We've looked at different pieces of land. We, we've exhausted everything that we know to do. And so there's been a hesitation. How can we move forward when we don't know what we're supposed to do, when we don't know what it is? We've put out word and, and nothing. And you, you might say, well, isn't like a building for a church part of those things that are going to burn up at the end? Like, isn't that just a temporary thing? And I would say in one way, yes. And in one way for us in our situation, the answer would be no to that. Because here's the thing. We've got to ask ourselves a question. What are eternal things? And if we fast forward in the book of Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, here, here's the answer to what eternal things are. And it says this, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. What we're up against as a church, and here's how it goes from natural things into spiritual things, into eternal things. We've known for a long time that we are to take a step of faith. We are to take a step of faith. Out of love for people, we are to take a step of faith. Faith is what lasts forever. If we step away from faith, then we are stepping away from eternal things. And we all feel like God is calling us to take a step of faith even though we don't know what that is. Does that remind you of anybody in scripture? It reminded me instantly of Abraham, who God called him to go out of where he was, but he didn't tell him where he was going. And Abraham acted on an eternal thing, an eternal substance, and Abraham's act of faith lasts forever because it's eternal. And if Abraham had shied away from that, then it would, it would not be an eternal thing. But our acts of faith are eternal things. And when God calls us to act in faith, he calls us to act on something that will last forever. That we're building with a material that when we get to heaven, that God would look at that moment or that decision or that collective prayer moment when we acted in faith and he'll say, yep, this is gonna stay, this is gonna be, exist forever. This moment, this idea, this step. What about your life? Are there moments right now that God wants you to take a step of faith? Here's what I want you to understand. Your steps of faith are eternal things that will last forever. They are eternal things. 
The, the Bible says faith, hope, and love. And we have to move forward in faith when we're prompted to move forward in faith. So it's not a practical issue of space anymore. This is what God's showing me. This is not a practical, natural, wood, hay, straw issue anymore, Sean. This is an issue of faith, hope, and love. This is an eternal issue. And you have to move forward not knowing where you're going. And, and so I don't know what that looks like for us, but I know you're going to be hearing more about it because we feel like we're supposed to take some step of faith. Pray, give. We have a building fund right now. You can go ahead. I know some of you guys, God has already been stirring on your heart to sow seeds. I'd encourage you to jump on there by faith. If God's prompting you as an act of faith, and, and we're going to step forward in faith. Why? Because it's so easy to forget the eternal things in exchange for the temporal things. And if God calls you to act on faith in some area of your life, it's an eternal thing. It reminds me of this story, and I'll, I'll close up with this story. Um, it's, it's a story I heard a long time ago, and it's about this experienced Australian climber named Lincoln Hall. And Lincoln Hall had this desire to climb Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. And uh, it's an expensive venture. It costs, you know, I don't know, 65000 at least to, to go on this venture. You have to train for it. It takes, I mean, it's a big deal in life. And so he, he climbs... Uh, he, it wasn't his first attempt, but he climbed and he finally reached the summit of Mount Everest. And on his way back down, uh, he had a medical issue at about 28,000 feet where he could not continue and all of the rest of his climbing team left him for dead. And they just left him there at 28,000 feet. And so there, through... He started to hallucinate. He started to, he eventually, because of hallucinations, he climbed on this little two-foot little peak with a 6,000-foot drop on one side and an 8,000-foot drop on the other side. He sat down on that little crevice. They don't even know how he got over there. And he took off his jacket. He took off his gloves. He took off his hat. And he just held his hands in the air out of a hallucination. He was declared dead by Sherpas. And there was another guy who was coming up the, the mountain about 24 hours later. And uh, this guy was an experienced guy. He, had, he was taking a team of two people that he was hired to go and take up to the top. And th- this guy's name was Dan. And he, he was going up. And as they're going up, they spot some little yellow uh, mark up on the hill. And as they got closer, they were surprised to discover that it was Lincoln Hall who had been declared dead 12 hours earlier by the Sherpas. And yet there he was still alive. Now here, these climbers are coming with Dan all the way up the mountain. They're almost there. They're two hours from the summit. Two hours from the summit. Can you imagine traveling all the way over there? All that money they have invested. All that training. You're two hours away. You have a small window. And then all of a sudden they have this ethical dilemma. Do we save this man's life? Or do we go ahead and go to the summit? And they chose to save this man's life. And they brought him, they gave him oxygen, they brought him down the mountain and and saved his life, and they gave up their shot. And in that moment, here's one of the things that that they said. They said, you can always go back to the summit, but you only have one life to live. And that's in stark contrast to what happened earlier that year or the year before. Uh, There was a man who was in the same situation. Uh, David Sharp was in the same situation, and some 40 climbers passed by him as he died on the mountain. Now, here's the thing. Some group of people, somebody said, there's something more important going on here than me accomplishing whatever it is I'm going to accomplish. 
something more important than my investments right now. Something more important than my accolades and my awards and my achievements and my goals right now. There's something much more important. And they were willing to lay all that down for the sake of someone else's life. And, and I want you just to be left with that thought. Like, what's important to us right now? Is it all of the awards and the accolades and the investments in our life and the, the things that we have going on? Or is there, are there eternal things that are going to last? Is it souls? Is it relationships? You know, we're so easy to throw away relationships over silly things instead of relationships are the only things that are going to last into eternity. Relationships and souls and salvation and all these things, faith, hope, and love. Someday we're going to be all standing around the bonfires of heaven. You, you know there's bonfires in heaven, right? He said, someday you're going to be standing there and stuff's going to start burning up. And we're going to see what stuff lasts. And somebody's going to be standing there beside some people that they brought to heaven with them. And they're going to be looking at somebody else and say, well, what'd you bring? I don't know. It's over in that bonfire burning up right now. You see, that's what it looks like to grow up. It's when we stop worrying so much about the temporary and what dominates our heart is the eternal. We stop worrying so much about the visible and what dominates our heart is God's unseen work underneath. When we stop having to require our roots to be up on the surface and getting everything we think we need and all of a sudden we can be that, that source of fruit for other people. That's maturity. And God wants us to grow beyond that. And I, I want to challenge you with that. You know, all the accolades, accomplishments, buildings, awards will be burned up, but faith, hope, and love will last forever. What are you building with today? What are you building with today? Let me read the, the last part of that scripture, and we're going to receive communion. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? and that God's spirit dwells in you, that you are an eternal thing. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. In other words, all the popular thought of the day of how we're to live our life, that's foolish compared to God's way. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. Everything we have is because of Jesus. Everything we have, the Bible says in him we live, we move, we have our being. Can we, as we come to the table this morning, just reaffirm that with God and say, God, I don't want to be stuck where I'm at. Do a deep work in my heart. God, I want to have deep roots so I can withstand the storms of life. Lord, I want to have a love for eternal things, not just the temporal things. Lord, I want to go beyond just milk and I want to go into the deeper places with you. I want the scenery to change in my life. That next year at this time, I'll look back and I'll see how, how much you've done, maybe underneath the surface, maybe no one else will know. Lord, help me to change the conversation I'm having on, on the inside of my heart with other people, about other people, about you, about circumstances of life. Help me to change that conversation. Can you guys stand up with me as we pray and we get ready to receive communion? Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. And we do say it's all about Jesus because you lived that perfect sinless life. You laid down that life on the cross. 
You paid the price for all of our sins once and for all. You rose from the dead, and today we get to walk in your victory and walk by your Spirit. Lord, we're so thankful for that. Lord, I pray as we come to the table today that we'd be reminded of that sacrifice. But not just of the sacrifice, we would be reminded of the power that you have, the power in the blood, the power in your sacrifice, the power in your victory that can change even the deep, dark places of our heart and and that can give us victory. We thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.